1: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire? Running your own company? Achieving your life's goals? Yet wake up in a cold sweat. Next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of Caviar Dreams tuna fish budget.
0: I'm Margaret Josephs.
1: And I'm Lexi Barbuto.
0: And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to Caviar Dreams on a tuna fish budget.
1: Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, Caviar Dreamers. Hi, Caviar
0: Dreamers. It's the Marge and Lexi.
1: Here we are for another week, another
0: Wednesday, and your weekly dose of us. Yes. And today we are talking to the fabulous Dr. Mark Karolak, my facial plastic surgeon who did my facelift and who started my glow up. And I need him desperately. He also did Dolores Catania. He's done a lot of my friends. He's absolutely amazing. And he just does faces. And a lot of people have asked me, Mark, who's done your face? So now we're going to talk about it what inspired him to be a plastic surgeon and why he's only focused on faces and what a facelift actually is and the difference why we don't need fillers and Botox and when you can get away with it and when you can't.
1: Yes. There's a lot of, I feel like there's so many new treatments come out all the time that people get so confused and they're stuck in the dark ages thinking they're going to need anesthesia. They're going to be down for eight weeks for the count with surgeries. There's so much you could do, people, with injectables, little tweaks here and there, and then once you get to a certain point,
0: you gotta really just do the big job. But it's not what it used to be. No, and yours was so easy. Mine was very easy, and there's no general anesthesia. No general anesthesia for a full facelift. It's amazing modern medicine what has happened, and it's anesthesia is really the dangerous part of surgery. Nothing anesthesia is dangerous. I don't want to scare anybody, but it does delay the recovery.
1: It's an additional risk factor that if you don't need it, why do it? Exactly. So here we go. Hi, Dr. Kowalek. How are you? Hi, ladies. How are you doing? Hi.
0: Good. I'm doing great. First of all, if anybody knows, he did my facelift. He did the Marge refresher
1: that, yes, everyone's, did.
0: that everyone's talking about. He did my face. He did Dolores. He's done all my friends, tons of people. And now I send all my friends to you, which we're obsessed with. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's been great. You you have a great circle of friends. It's been nice meeting them all.
0: I know, but you know what I love about you? You make everybody look like themselves, but refreshed. Mm-hmm. So, right? That's I mean, right. That's a certain style. Point. Yeah, no
2: one, no one, no one wants to walk around having people ask them who their plastic surgeon mm-hmm. is. I mean, they they want to be comment. They want to be uh, complimented on how good they look, or you know, have people guessing what it is that they did. And the whole goal is to keep them looking like themselves, but like the best version of themselves. So, you know, to me, that's the highest form of compliment. When my patients come to me three months, six months, a year down the line, and they just keep t- telling me about how people keep asking them, you know, what it is they did. If they changed their hairstyle, they're just noticing different, there's something different about them. And uh, fortunately, nowadays, patients are more than, op- more, ha- more than happy to be open about what they're doing.
0: Yes. Now, what made you? You know, what I just want to clarify for everybody, because everyone's like, "Marge, you did your face." I want to go to your doctor for my nose. I'm like, he doesn't do noses; he just does faces, and that's why he's so great at faces. So, what made you just focus on from the neck up?
2: Well, in this, well, from the neck up, I, I, just in medical school, I just fell in love with the anatomy of the face and neck. I mean, there's so much that happens, you know, in this small area of the body. If you think about it that um, eventually after you know, focusing in on uh, head and neck surgery, i started honing in on facial plastic surgery because of just the aesthetic part of it, the creativity involved in it. Um, it helped me look at faces and problem solve and put them back to where they used to be. So when it comes to rhinoplasty, I, that was one of the things that I thought I was gonna build my practice on early on was rhinoplasty. I love it. It's very, you know, for just a small area of the, the face, there's, there's so much attention on that area. But eventually what I started realizing is that there were patients coming to me where I actually liked the little imperfections in their noses. I liked those nuances about a, a, a nose that had it, you know, that was, gave them character. And I was, ch- they were, I was being asked to change noses that I thought were beautiful. So I started to lose um, personal satisfaction in, in doing that type of surgery and really started focusing in on recapturing the way people look. And that's what drew me towards face, you know, facelifts, brow lifts, eyelids. It's looking at pe- people's faces, looking at where they were and seeing how close I can come to getting them back there.
0: I'd love that. Now tell me, you know, it's funny because I always say I'm not big with the injectables. I mean, I think when you're young, tell me if I'm wrong, that you could do injectables. Yes. But by the time you get to a certain age, you start to look like a freak if you do right. t- injectables and that's right. what i love about you're very honest about that so tell people you know because everyone's like oh i just want fillers and botox i don't want to do a facelift and i'm like no you need a facelift so just tell, <laughs> tell people <laughs> the difference
2: don't yeah it. i know you're 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 pretty um, i'm brutally honest yeah brutally honest but you know you're brutally honest at the right time because the, you know with these all well, these treatments that are available nowadays non-surgical treatments fillers botox lasers. They all have their place, and, and they have their place in time with the aging process. But you, have to really, you have to, when I look at faces, I look at what's happening throughout that aging process. And it involves this collagen breaking down in the skin. So that's why in our 20s, 30s, people are doing skincare. They're doing lasers, facials, and they're getting great results. They love it. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing it. But eventually, they get into their mid-30s, early 40s, and that, there's, that's not getting them to where they were used to. And what's happening is they've gone past the part where they're seeing early aging, which is collagen breakdown in the skin. And now they're starting to see some bone and fat loss in their face. They're getting shadows in areas that they never had them before. So fillers have become so popular because they work. It's a gel, it replaces volume. And if it's done correctly, and if it's done you know, um, for the right reason, people are gonna maintain their, their appearance or even look like the best version of themselves even up into their fifties. Problem is, is that they get they're very happy with how they look with these fillers that it sort of starts to be just a one one way road with that and they get to their mid 40s early 50s and whoever they're going to might might say well you're just getting older you just need more filler well that's not the answer because now what's happening is the muscles are starting to loosen in the face and as they start to loosen they're not able to support the filler the same way anymore so instead of putting more filler they should be doing less filler and just accepting the fact they're not going to get the same results unless they do something to help tighten the muscles and, and put, fix the foundation basically.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I love that you always say that because I've taken friends to you and recently I've taken a friend to you and was like, no, you got to do this. you got to do this. You're like, you need a facelift. You know, you, <laughs> got, you know, <laughs>
2: and not everybody wants to hear that, but I think nowadays, once they start to understand there's so much information out there now, and I think people are becoming more educated. Once they understand you know, what's happening, the limitations of these procedures, you know, you keep going the filler track you know, past mid forties, fifties, sixties, you start looking like a, like a pillow. You start looking blown up because in order to fill that loose muscle and excess skin, you have to put a lot of filler in there. So when, pa- when patients come to me and they're asking for filler and they really need a facelift, I'm not gonna put something in their face that's gonna make them look bizarre. So I, they either do it, you know, they either stop doing the fillers, or unfortunately, sometimes they'll find somebody else to do it for them. Uh, but they really have to at least consider some sort of a muscle tightening procedure like a facelift.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what else? When did the trend happen because that you uh, don't put people under general anesthesia for a facelift? Yeah. Because no one could believe that. Like, Marge, what do you <laughs> mean? You weren't under <laughs> general anesthesia for your facelift? Right. I'm like, no. I got up and pee three times in the middle. So like, <laughs> what? I was like, why well, have a tiny blob.
2: <laughs> right. Well, you know, there, there's also a technique that's involved in all that. So to answer that, that first part of the question, um, it pro- it started maybe 15, 20 years ago. Even you know, when I was in training, um, one of the surgeons that I worked with started doing like um, mini lifts under local anesthesia, you know, just making a small incision by the ear going under the skin, putting like a stitch in the jawline and then removing a little bit of extra skin. And then eventually it started to, Progress enough that people are realizing, you know, there's a risk for these elective procedures when someone's undergoing general anesthesia, whether it's, you know, cognitive delays, temporary or long-term, you know, other health risks of even just waking up and some of the things that are associated with that, prolonged hospital stays, longer recoveries. So I think the trend from, you know, over the past 20 years has been to try to find ways to do things safer uh, with quicker recovery, but also not compromising on results. And that's also what's happened is the more skilled surgeons have become doing procedures under local, the more they've advanced the type of procedures that they're doing. I mean, there's a friend of mine who's an orthopedic surgeon, they're doing hips under local. I mean, that's hip, hip surgery. Yeah, they have. He, he, yeah. He, he, um, he, he developed, he made this special bed that he's got, um, you know, he's got a patent on and the hospitals use it. They, they bought them and they're doing, you know, it's a big orthopedic group in Manhattan.
0: Oh, so that's, well, that's amazing. Well, I feel like well, the recovery is so much quicker because years ago, prior to coming to, I mean, when I was in my early forties, I got a brow lift and my eyes done. I was under general anesthesia. I w- was vomiting nonstop. The recovery was much worse. And then when I did my facelift with you, and of course I had my eyes done <laughs> again, you know, little do you know, people, you have to get your eyes done again, like 10 years later, because I did it so much younger. The recovery was so much quicker.
2: Yeah, and it wasn't, yeah, that, it wasn't it a did. big
0: deal. You right. were so sick that first time. It was really scary. Yeah, so general anesthesia, it's like people are like, oh, I don't want to be half awake. You don't feel anything. Yeah. And and I do believe, you know, the recovery is just so much easier. Anesthesia knocks it out of you.
2: Yeah, and, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. It's safe. It's just that whenever there's, um, you know, more, um, like more advanced types of complications, they're usually attributed to anesthesia versus, uh, procedures that are done under vocal anesthesia so complication rates for under vocal are going to be you know less severe maybe a you know, very un, unusual but maybe an allergic reaction which can be treated um, but that's about it but the airways protect you know you breathing on your own your body's in its natural state and you're right you the patients you know they don't feel anything because you give them some medicine to help relax them and then numb it with the numbing nowadays patients, Experience uh, more discomfort with like lasers and fillers than they do with the numbing process for for a facelift under local.
0: Yes. So tell people the difference between a facelift because all my friends are like oh, yeah. facelift, I need a facelift. I just need my neck done. I'm like that's a facelift, bonehead. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So tell exactly everybody
2: what. It- <laughs> so the terminology that that's important to understand, but a lot of a lot of surgeons and a lot of um, information out there pretty much. Uh, says facelifts and necklifts are the exact same thing. So one is the same as the other in a sense that as the face starts to age, it starts to loosen and the muscles in the face are connected to the muscles in the neck. So if the the top starts to drop, the bottom starts to go with it as well. So most surgeons will do facelifts and necklifts together. And there's different degrees of necklifts. One of my favorite is actually making a little incision under the chin and pulling the muscle bands together, pulling the cords back together and then repositioning the muscles back to where they were in the face. So you get to tight, if this area of the neck is loose, if you tighten the face up in a vertical direction and then start to um, tighten in almost like a fan-like pattern, it's gonna lift this area of the neck as well and then you pull these muscles together so you can get your complete neck lift. But you know, if I, I have some patients where I'll do isolated neck lifts on but they have to be really good candidates for it. Not much excess skin, um, you know, good quality skin, but for the most part, you're right, facelift and neck lift are pretty much the same thing.
0: Yes, now how long, <clears throat> what's the shelf life
2: of
0: a facelift? You know, a lot of people ask. So, when, when do you do it, <clears my throat> we just did my face. Right. So how long is this gonna last till I'm back yeah, on yeah. that table? <laughs> the
2: shelf so there's no expiration date on it. And the 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 way to, the best way to think about it is if you had a twin, right? And you both look exactly the same. Afterwards, you're gonna look more refreshed, you're gonna look younger and then if you start as you start aging because it's not going to stay exactly the same way it was as you start aging you go 3 5 10 15 years you're going to age and you're going to get to a point where sometimes another surgical treatment is going to be your best option but you're always going to maintain that benefit that you that you achieved so you, you know that so that's really the best way there's some people will have another facelift 8 to 15 years down the line um others just enjoy how great they look because they'll still, still get compliments. Oh,
0: okay, so that's good. So what's the youngest patient you've had?
2: Oh, gosh, 38. Wow. 38.
0: wow. Oh, I'm old.
2: Had, yeah, 38. Wow. Um, I've had about three or four 38-year-old people. That's the youngest. And really, I'm not, I'm not you know, um, a surgery cowboy, but when someone comes into the office and I'm looking at their how their face is aged and genetically or whatever lifestyle... Um, however much lifestyle is taking its toll on those patients and I look at them and I realize there's there aren't any non-surgical treatments that are going to achieve the results that they want and they truly have you know excess skin or loose muscle surgery is the best option for them to for them to undergo non-surgical treatments and then hope wait to try to see results three months down the line as these treatments are supposed to start working and then maybe not see the results and do it again they're going to end up wasting time effort money I mean it's just no, it's the right treatment. It's the right treatment.
0: Yes. So what about what's the oldest patient you've ever had?
2: Oldest was 80,
0: 86. Wow, eighty-six, and she was fine to Ooh. go. She was fine.
2: Oh gosh! Oh, healthiest can be, and and her her comment was, "I'm not going in the grave looking like this." Uh, uh, <laughs> that's that that I feel like girl. that's the way I am. I mean, she so was, like, you know, obviously, like you living, her. yeah. Yeah, it was it was all done with medical clearances, and she was very healthy. So, and then, then her her doctors loved the fact that it was being done under local as well, because the older you get, the le- the more the less you want to be exposed to general anesthesia if you can avoid it.
1: There's so many treatments now, which are very confusing. So, you did my first Botox. You popped my Botox cherry, and it was amazing. I'm gonna be honest; I didn't feel a <laughs> thing. It looked fabulous, but so like. What, what like chart, of course, do you suggest for treatments for someone? So like Botox, lasers, like what is that out there before the facelift stage?
2: I think the best thing that anyone can do at even a young age or even after a facelift is try to take care of their skin. So I think when they're younger, you know, even teenagers in their 20s, 30s, uh, after 30, you know, you get into four, 35, 40 years old, you start seeing um, volume loss. So anything you can do to start to protect the skin, um, keep it healthy, the, the more you move through the aging process, the, the better your results are going to be when it comes to time where the muscles start to loosen. Because there's really not much that you can do to protect from muscle loosening. If that's almost like a uh, genetically set um, aging pattern. But I think protecting the skin, using lasers, doing facials, get the right topical um, creams. You know, I think the basics would be moisturizers, uh, an antioxidant on the skin, some sort of retinol or alpha hydroxy product, and then um, sunblock.
1: Okay. All right. Big on the sunblock. You're big
0: on the sunblock. I know, but look at you, tanning glamorous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you live by the beach. You have three. You know, I have three kids. They're outside all the time. the The joke used to be that I could walk from my car, from the office to my car, and just the sun would touch my skin, and I would get tan. And right. I remember. So my, I, even with sunblock, um, <laughs> I wear seventy five, yes, you know, 70 and it still tans. I know.
0: I feel That's the damage nice. is done when you're younger. Yeah. Because- I was a very big sun worshiper, I'm and I'm not a burner. I mean, as white as I am, I really don't get a sunburn.
2: Yeah. Which is yeah, just shocking. Yeah. yeah kind of, you know, when we, when, we were, when we grew up, it was just, you know, sunblock wasn't really a priority. You'd go out in the beginning of the summer. You know, as soon as school was done, you get a base burn, and then you, you're good for the rest of the summer. You don't have to worry about it.
1: Exactly. It could right? oh, oh, no. be too late for me. Growing up well, in England to a minimal sun, I had to tan in bed in my bedroom.
0: Yeah, like. Yeah. Better, bedroom. I used to yeah, lay
1: over one of my grandma's house, sucking a soda when I was like eight years old with my sunglasses on, pretending I was at the beach. Not such a smooth move, maybe. <laughs>
2: but that was. Right. The- but you know, that's what it's, it's like. We didn't know any better. They think sun, the sun's going to, it's healthy. So, you know, you get vitamins from the sun, but skin cancer wasn't as um, understood, I think, back then. Or at least there wasn't a priority. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, now, men also get facelifts. What percentage of your patients? Are men I mean I send my male friends to you you know now they're but what percentage of your patients are men
2: I'd say nowadays it's probably about 5% um, when the financial crisis hit that was interesting you know kind of I've been in practice long enough to go through some you know some interesting times but when the financial crisis hit um, and there were a lot of layoffs and a lot of these companies were going going bankrupt my male portion of the practice jumped to about 30%. Really? Within months. I thought, I thought things were going to slow down with cosmetic surgery at that point, and it was busier than ever. That was probably, you know, at that time, that was one of my best, best years, busiest years. Uh, but the male portion, it was, I was probably doing almost doing three male face-ups a week.
0: You know, they men probably needed to feel like they needed to look young to compete in the industry. Mm-hmm. When that yeah, worked. that's
2: what it was. Yeah, or they, they had you know they had time you know they were either reassessing their goals their their you know, path in life they had more time now they were maybe interviewing or trying to look more competitive or just wanted you know they, there's it's all the same stories that um that I see for women as well. Um, you know something happened in life that now they wanted to start fresh, and they just want to feel good about how they looked, you know whether it was you know divorce, whether it was a job, whether it was um, you know just wanting to feel better about themselves when they look at them at their faces in the morning.
0: No, I think it's important i mean listen i've been obviously you know I'm on Joe's case to get his eyes done. <laughs> those natural born puffs which we're, which we're working on which will be happening but, you know he's going to be 65 this year he's very handsome but you know his under eyes a lot of men have those bands
2: right
0: which i think need to be done but you also which i like what you said is like you don't want to feminize male eyes because yeah. a lot of men could get an eye lift and have and it feminizes their eyes what what happens with that so
2: you know you know, without picking on any any people specifically, but you know, when you look at you the can. face, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, with with um, when you look at the face, you try to keep true to masculine qualities, feminine qualities, and also just how those patients used to look. So, with with men, the well, with eyelid procedures, let's say for um, for instance, there's a technique that's used for eyelid surgery, and that's how it's taught, and it used to be taught that way. And you just follow the steps you know you make an incision under the eyelashes you go under the muscle take the fat out remove excess skin and and then there's your results but now we look as people have aged from those procedures and we have that history behind us that we can watch that we'd see as aging continues people lose bone and fat so they start to look more hollowed out years later after surgery unless the surgeon is aware of those types of things and takes those precautions and thinks about not just what to take out, but how much to leave behind. So, like for for eyes, let's say if you're doing if I'm doing upper eyelids and someone always has full full lids, or they've always had full lids, the key is going to be maybe removing just some excess skin, but not necessarily taking muscle or taking fat. Because once you remove that volume, now you see the shape of the eye. So you start you take a full, you know, beautiful, full lid and now expose the shape of the eyeball under the bones. Now they start to look kind of beady-eyed. And then next thing the you you look to you know as the brow as we age the brow starts to drop so if someone takes out all the volume or takes out muscle skin and fat on the upper eyelids and then lifts the brow now you take someone that had full lids and you make them look beady-eyed and they don't look like themselves anymore it's just it's just important to know what to leave behind as it is what to take out so it's not always a cookie cutter approach.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, that's so interesting. Yeah, and then so once to someone that couldn't close their eyes after a bath, oh gosh, yeah, like they so, their eyes open. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely precautions that should be taken prior to the surgery, and that has to do with measurements, understanding the anatomy. And again, you take too much out, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to close the eyes, and that's that's another case in point. You have to know how much to leave behind, but there's a I probably spend almost as much time doing measurements and markings. As a, for eyelid surgery as I do for the procedures themselves. They're fairly quick procedures. For upper eyelids, it takes maybe 30 to 45 minutes to do and the markings, you know, I spend probably about 10 minutes just making sure everything's measured correctly.
0: I know, that's mm-hmm. great. Right. I mean, I can't believe I've had my eyes done twice but I feel like they're they are great and they're perfect so I'm very happy. Yeah. I mean, with my, by the time I croak, I'll probably have them done again. <laughs> 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 Which is pathetic in a lifetime. I'll have to have my eyes done three times but you know you got you gotta look good but well, you
1: have a very expressive face
0: I do my really face do. moves a lot when I talk I'm very expressive I'm crazy so that's yeah, I it. feel like
2: that's why people look amazing. it's why people love watching you thank mm-hmm. you
0: no I've always like ah, well my facial expressions they're always like why do you move your mouth like that I'm like I, I don't know it mm-hmm. just moves that way you didn't train it no. It just no would you ever operate on a family member say the fabulous? Oh. Allie Karolak. I mean, oh, it, absolutely. whoever do her face, she doesn't need a face now. She's the picture oh, of you, absolutely. but I'm saying down the road.
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's the hardest thing is I, that's hard for me to trust anybody else with, um, especially my family's face. So, I mean, I've, I remember stitching up my youngest son when he, when he, you know, had a big gash on his forehead. Um, you know, I've done my father's eyelids. I've done, um, procedures on family and definitely, uh, you know, I definitely probably would have to mentally prepare myself, but I do this so much. I mean this is all I do day in, day out, so it would be hard to trust anybody else.
0: Which I like that. Because listen, I've spoken to some surgeons that are like, I don't want to operate on my family. And I know some surgeons that have operated on their family and they, you know, it didn't always turn out the best. <laughs> they,
2: they or, yeah, because but you know you know it has to be perfect, right? Because yes. you know, I'm gonna see her every day. So. Yes exactly. <laughs>
0: She'll be like, Mark yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know they're very yeah right. exactly
2: yeah. I don't want people asking her who did her face up. I just want to <laughs> no. no, everybody
0: everybody <laughs> yeah. whose face you've done is beyond thrilled. I yes. mean I'm so thrilled. Dolores is so thrilled. you know okay. Dolores is like she feels like she's ready for another one. I'm like Dolores relax. you oh. know her face <laughs> right. her face is absolutely perfect.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, she, I saw her a few weeks ago and you know she said the same thing. I was like, there's nothing to even move well, her forward. I said <laughs> the
0: same thing. I mean, her and I go for all our procedures, but I'm blessed because she's the one who introduced me to you. I mean, right. she found you. I don't even know how she found you. Do you know how she found you?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, she was looking for a facial plastic surgeon and she was at a You know, for me, I didn't know the backstory until she told me about it, but she came to my office and we were, you know, I was doing consult on her and she was young, 40, you know, she's, she's 43. So, you know, even, so it was about what, almost seven years ago, six, seven years ago. uh, Even at that time, I started talking to her about skin tightening treatments. She's like, don't even bother with that, with that stuff with, with me. I've already done it. It's not working. Um, I know what I want, and I need forward, like you know, a facelift. Fast forward, and husband. here she is seven years later. Now she's doing those non-surgical things, which are working great. But the back story was that she was at, I think, a nail salon and was talking to uh, a patient of mine. And uh, they, she got my number from her, and uh, the rest was history.
0: I know, which is, I mean, she, I mean, thank God for Dolores because she goes and gets the procedure. She looks unbelievable, researches it, and then I could just scoop right in and go ahead yeah. and not do any, any research, which makes yeah. my life so easy. But no, I was so blessed because the truth is I had my eyes done years ago by a great guy in the city, which was fine, you know, when I was like 43. Yes. Yes. And then I had someone do a mini lift, which was like a temporary thing. And after a few months, I was like, what the fuck? It looks like I had nothing done. And I'm not going to insult that surgeon. He's a very nice man, but it wasn't good. I saw you at the season finale, and I was like, why is my neck and still hanging? And you're like, Marg, I, you need a full facelift. I was like, I'm in. Yeah. So after I had that done, I was like, oh my God, I have a youthful face again. Yeah, sure. My son, who is so critical, he's like, he was so afraid I was going to look plastic. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, your face looks so beautiful. You look natural. And that's what it is. Everybody who sees me is like, your skin, your face looks so natural. And that's why I recommend you to everybody. I get so many direct Thank messages. You. Everybody writes to me. I mean, it is. It's so, it's so impressive. So all my, of course, all my friends have come to you. Then, I, you know, some just want to get their eyes done. I'm like, get a facelift. Yeah. You know, I want to push everybody into oh, man. childhood friends of mine have come to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you've had a lot of friends coming. Yes, to, and, I, but, and I'm
0: seeing you, and I'm seeing you this weekend.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm coming yeah. on a Saturday. I mean, it's my first, I'm waking up, and I'm coming with my two of my friends, and, and one happens to be a male who wants to do his neck.
2: Right, right. I think, you know, neck is definitely one of the main focuses for male patients also. It's just, um, you know, wearing collared shirts, you know, it just helps put things, make them feel better about how they look in, in social environments, but... I definitely say neck lifts are a big deal.
0: Exactly, and also I wanted to tell you, and I could say this: uh, Teresa wanted to do her nose, and mm-hmm. she does matter, She's on your Instagram. I convinced her not to do her nose and to come back and just do because the liquid nose, you know, the liquid oh, yeah. rhinoplasty is a big deal. I said that will take away her character. If she yeah. wants to just yeah. do a little tweak, I showed her a picture. I go, do you not remember Dr. Karolak did a little liquid rhinoplasty on you? She's like, honey, I don't remember. I showed her the picture. She goes, you're right. It's so beautiful. I was like, what is that? She goes, you know, I just told him do whatever on my face. Uh-huh. I said, he thinned out because she. I said that's your character. Her face okay. is so unique and beautiful. I was like, not right. mm-hmm. that- I said a little, you know, a little injection in the nose. So tell people about the liquid rhinoplasty and what that is.
2: Liquid is probably one of one of my favorite procedures that's come out in the last 10 years you know it's it is it very innovative and it's a non-surgical treatment done with fillers that helps contour the nose and it's just like all most procedures it got so advanced now that you can lift the tip shape the tip it was initially came out for just treating the a bump or a profile but there's actually so much that you can do now with fillers you know with limitation that can help shape the nose, but still maintain that character, like you said. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of younger patients coming in, and they're you know, 18, 20 years old, uh, looking to have liquid rhinos because they they don't want to change too much about their nose. They just want to, um, you know, feel more comfortable with their profile or just um, straighten it out a little bit. So it's all about lighting, and shadowing. So it's just injections. It's done without any, you know, really any numbing. The fillers have numbing in it. It takes maybe fifteen minutes to do, fifteen to twenty minutes, and the results, you know, are pretty impressive. They they typically are supposed to last about a year or so, but I have patients where they've come in at a year out and maybe just had a little touch up with a little bit more filler, not the same amount, and then we use the rest of the filler in a few different areas. And I have patients who are going on four or five years. It's pretty incredible. It's a great way to also you know, do something non-surgical to improve the nose, but there are some noses that can't be treated with um, no, uh, liquid rhino, so they truly need surgery.
0: Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. a nice little tweak. You know it is? My tip drops a little when I smile, so what it will...
2: You can you do know, a little I,
0: My nose is not big, you know? No, you have, no,
2: the- you have a cute nose. I've it's a
0: cute it. nose, until I, I, but when I smile, sometimes the tip drops. I think I'm so expressive. We'll, we'll yeah, figure that out.
2: Yeah, but those are little things that can be done. That's where, you know, fillers are helpful. Doing a liquid rhino or even putting a little bit of Botox under here where the muscle is that that when you smile pulls the nose down. Yeah, so that, well,
0: it's very strong. It's like totally crazy, totally crazy. Yeah, I- yeah
2: but funny the reaction with for for Teresa there. I was reading some of the comments. I guess within a few weeks after that, and people were asking her if she did her nose and. Um, you know, when she came to see me, she's like, well, what do you think I need to do? And so I did a couple things on her. And, um, yeah, I think
0: she'll be back for that because we had yeah. deep discussion about this weekend. I sent her the photos and it was just very, very funny because she was like, I want it. I go, no. I said, no, you're going to go back and do this. I said, you do. Yeah. It's a tiny little tweak. You don't need to ever right. judge. Yeah. Wasn't that funny? It
1: was, but then she told me my nostrils are different shape since my nose job. I fixed my nose 10 years ago into a talk and totally something random. She just- <laughs> Your nostrils are a different shape. Look at that.
2: Oh man, that's, that, that's too, that's too. Because you're never gonna create symmetry. That's the one thing that people don't realize. It's about looking looking at your best at every angle, especially when you're on TV or you know, you're know you on camera all the time like the two of you are, that you wanna feel confident that no matter what angle you get caught, you're gonna get caught in at a good angle and it's gonna look good. And that has to do with lighting and shadowing. You know, that's, so if I create volume, it's gonna reflect light better. It can reflect light higher. It could shadow below it. And that's that's really how I look at non-surgical treatments and surgical as well. I
0: know. Well the, it's so exciting. And I mean, and listen, people fly into I want everyone to know people fly in to see you, people drive hundreds and thousands of miles yeah. to be with you. I yeah. mean, you are so busy. I mean I mean, we weren't allowed to have plastic surgery during COVID, but since right. then it's it's opened up, which is which is so great. But I just I'm so happy you came on today. Oh, I,
2: I really appreciate it. I just want
0: to ask you, what inspired you to be a plastic surgeon?
2: So, you know, initially I loved medicine. I knew in high school that I would that I was going to become a doctor. It's just, there's so many interesting fields that have, you can't really know. You know, you go into, just like most people when, you know, most people going into a career or have their eyes set on a career, a lot of times they're going to change their mind somewhere in life. So when I got to medical school, um, in my third year, I got exposed to a lot of the different fields of medicine, and it's still overwhelming at that point. So what I did is, rather than trying to figure out um, which fields of medicine I like, I tried to look at the fields that I didn't like and see which doctors were the least happy with their, you know, with with their field and who was happiest in the hospital. And eventually, it really started to narrow down very quickly, and. I realized, you know, lifestyle wise, happiness, personal satisfaction, that the head and neck was what the anatomy, the head and neck is what I love the most. And then just getting me that instant gratification of cosmetic surgery really sealed the deal for me. So, you know, that's, that's really how I came to become a facial plastic surgeon.
0: I know. Well, you are the most talented, creative. I love the way you look at someone's face. I mean, you make everybody just so enhanced, so beautiful. Anybody's blessed to go to you, seriously, especially me. (laughs) No, seriously. Thank you so much for coming on today. We're so grateful. Tell everybody where to follow you.
2: Oh, you can follow me on my Instagram. That's probably the most up-to-date way to follow what I'm doing. And that's at Dr. Karolak, D-R-K-A-R-O-L-A-K. And then my website is drkarolak.com. Yeah, D R K R L A K.
0: Okay, great. Thank you so much. And I'll see you in a few days.
1: All right. Thanks, Dr. Dr. Karolak. I'll see you. Bye. Bye. He is amazing. He really is. And I thought that was so interesting how he became a plastic surgeon. He looked at people and the field that they were in and how their quality of life was. I think that's something that caviar dreamers should also take into consideration. Like if you're someone who can't work 18 hour days and you know be in a burnout career like let's say finance that's something you should look at and think about what you want as a whole from life because I think having your own business and we can make Mm -hmm. our own schedules we value that so much and Dr. Carolette has an amazing family Wonderful practice, yes, and I think it's true. You have to know what your
0: value system is for sure. And his priority is to be an amazing doctor, just focus on the head and neck. And that's what those kind of doctors I like to go to that have a specialty. Yes, I don't want to go to a plastic surgeon that's doing boobs, butts, faces, noses. No, you have to hyper focus on one area so you become an expert that area. Just that's what's important. Yeah, and he's a perfectionist at the face and he knows everything. He can see a micromillimeter if something's wrong. I mean, he fixed. He wasn't happy the way with, he stitched one spar of mine. He had to go back and fix it. I know. He really is a perfectionist. But that's what he's
1: unbelievable. But that's when someone is doing your face. Because especially... It's your face, people. We're discussing it at the weekend, you know. Especially when you're famous and you have a very recognizable face. And people, like, love your expressive face. Like we said at the weekend, Jennifer Grey. Did G- her nose, Jennifer Grey. Gorgeous. Career over.
0: Career over. If you have a defining feature, you don't want to take it away. We don't want to all look homogenous. There's nothing wrong with having a prominent nose. I mean, if it Mm -hmm. takes away and you feel shitty about it, again. But Jennifer Grey, after Dirty Dancing, we had this deep discussion, took away her nose. And guess what? She got no more parts. People didn't recognize her. It was her defining feature. I mean, she looked stunning after, but guess what? She, she stopped working. No, it
1: really changed her face, and it did ultimately end her career until she won Dancing with the Stars in yes, her later
0: life. Yes, in her later life, and it, and it stinks. And Could you imagine if I didn't have this expressive big mouth? It would suck. That would be terrible. I mean, granted, That'd I did my teeth because I needed more teeth in my mouth. <laughs> well, like you say, I had a lot of mouth. To I touch. mean, and my teeth had to be bigger, just my upper, but I did my face because- it was time. I would have done it anyway, on, or t- on TV or not on TV, because I did do my eyes years ago and had to do them again. So the shelf life of a plastic surgery, which I had to ask, <laughs> you know, chances are I'll do my eyes again for a third time before I kick the bucket. That's okay. What's wrong with that? I love that the
1: 86-year-old was like, I'm not going out looking like this.
0: It's true. No one wants to look like shit in your coffin. No. Oof. That's what I say. You got to look good. And when I'm stuffed in the hall of one of my children... <laughs> I want to look good. With Bella in your arms? With Bella in my arms. That's the way we now, like I'll it. probably be cremated and live in a jar with my picture on front of it. <laughs> but anyway, Caviar Dreamers, I just, if you can, if you ever need any facial plastic surgery, Dr. Karolak is your person. And if you want to be yes. a plastic surgeon or any kind of doctor, I think the most important thing is to think about the life that you want to lead. It's a selfless job. You're dealing with patients. There's a lot of emotions. And Dr. Karolak, you know, he's a great guy and he'll talk to any caviar dreamer.
1: Yes, he's so open. And I think you just hit on a really good point in that, too. It's as much emotional <laughs> as it is medical.
0: Yes, uh, for sure. Plastic surgeons are emotional and em- any kind of doctor. Nobody really.
1: comes in saying, like, mm. I have one eye that's up here and I don't like that because it scientifically is wrong. People are like, you know, I have an issue that's making me feel uncomfortable. It Like I know from before I did my notes, I spent my whole life miserable, miserable. Exactly, And it
0: changes your whole personality, your demeanor, the way you feel. Yes, self. your confidence and everything else. And everyone's like, oh, you should be confident in who you are. But listen, when I was a younger girl, my face was tight, cute. I was adorable, you know, in high school, in my head. Maybe some people didn't think so, but I thought so. I was fine. And then I... As I got older, the face started hanging, the muscles, I had too much sun. And I was like, Marge, you don't look like your youthful self. You don't look like the woman Joe met. Though in his head I did, but, you know, the guy obviously needs glasses. <laughs> and everything started going south, so I had my face fixed. And then, you know, the knockers I really have fixed years ago. Thank God. Thank God Dolores sent me to Dr. Joseph Michaels also. But, thank God for Dolores. I mean, thank God for Dolores, you know mapping everybody out so a big thanks to Dolores Catania I just want to say that right yes. now for getting me all my surgeons and being the guinea pig
1: and I'm so happy because I'm just going to follow right yes exactly, exactly. so gonna we're gonna the guinea pigs right for now. you guys thank you again for tuning in we are back every Wednesday at Keviel James China Fish Fudge on Instagram and YouTube we have amazing guests coming amazing up. so don't miss it she's at the real Margaret Josephs I'm at the life of Mrs. B and we'll be here every Wednesday. We'll be so. here every
0: Wednesday. I'm just making the faces so you guys could see. I, I, we'll okay. Every Literally no freaking makeup on today. Okay. So just see, really see. I mean, you guys are, ch- you know, a lot of you are just listening, but if you want to go on YouTube and watch us, I have no makeup on and this is my tight skin look. I mean, I no mean, double chin. Really like this. And, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't really do that. <laughs> you do look really good. No, it's just, I look like a refreshed version of myself. I mean, I'm no Marilyn Monroe, but hey. Well, she's I, dead, so she probably doesn't look that good anyway. No, but a face full of wounds. True. You look
2: good. Thanks. So good. keep dreaming. Keep caviar. dreaming, caviar dreamers. Dreaming a tight skin.